Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Ask and you shall receive. On the last episode, I asked if anyone was interested in hearing some of the stories that weren't necessarily attached to folklore. And I got a resounding yes. So this is one of those stories. Inspired by nothing more than a trip up into the attic to put away some decorations. I hope you guys enjoy. And as always, I'm Christopher Feinstein. And this is Haunted American History. Brian was awakened by a phone call at a quarter to four in the morning. Phone calls at that hour are never somebody sharing good news. Listen, I don't care if you just won the Powerball. It could wait until after my coffee, thank you very much. Brian answered groggily. Hello? Brian, a voice said. It's Dad. This is something Brian knew. His phone not only had his dad's name on the screen, but it also had a distinct ringtone. This is something Brian had explained to his dad on several occasions, but would be something he would skip on this call. It was the middle of the night, and in order for this call to even take place, he knew his dad had bigger problems. What's up, Dad? Everything okay? It's Grandpa. Brian all at once had worried visions of his grandfather flash through his eyes. Of all the times they spent together, the breakfast trips to the diner they would have almost every Saturday, the baseball games they would watch, and how he would curse those goddamn Mets. How he would comment on every girl he brought home. Oh, she's a keeper, Bri. And then after they left, he would say, I didn't really care for her. Brian sighed deeply, speaking to his father. Grandpa Joe? What? No. Grandpa George. Oh. Grandpa George, on the other hand, Brian really didn't have a lot of memories with. Well, he didn't have a lot of recent memories with him. George, as they call him now, leaving the grandpa moniker out altogether, was Brian's mother's father. When Brian was a kid, his family lived with Grandpa George and Grandma Ann. They had a two-family house, and Brian's family lived downstairs in the house his mother grew up in. They were really close. Brian being an only child and the first grandkid, he was the light of his grandparents' eyes. 
His grandfather would seemingly kidnap him from his parents when he was a toddler, first thing in the morning, and he wouldn't return him until it was time for bed. His grandparents would take him out to eat, out to meet all their friends and run errands. When they would grocery shop, he would get his own little cart and he would come home with a bag full of stuff that he wanted. He would drive Brian to school in the morning and pick him up in the afternoon. It got to the point where his parents had to speak up and say something about it. They never saw their own kid. When Brian was 15, his father got a job offer that he couldn't pass up out of state. And after a lengthy discussion, they decided to move their family. Well, Brian's grandparents couldn't stand for that. They didn't want to be that far from their family, so they put the old homestead up for sale and joined them. This was about the beginning of the end. Shortly after his grandparents moved into their new house, things began to change. Firstly, his grandmother became very sick. She was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and her health deteriorated rapidly. Just before that, though, Grandpa George began becoming more secluded inside of their new home. Grandma would call and say how George hardly left their bedroom anymore, or how he would spend all his time looking for those birds. She would call for him to go pick up a prescription or remind him that she had a doctor's appointment, and he would be up in the attic, out of earshot. This added stress to the family, and when confronted about it, he would get very defensive. Grandma said he was obsessed with the birds in the attic. One night while getting ready for bed, they heard chirping coming from over their heads. George pulled the hatch to the attic down. It was in their bedroom closet and unfolded the stairs, but when he made his way up, he didn't see any birds. For days this went on. He called animal control and had them come check it out, but they couldn't find any either. They even climbed out onto the roof to see if maybe there was a nest up there, but no luck there. Grandma only lived there for a few months before passing away. That was when things got really bad. It started with Grandpa George having Anne change her will. They had two beautiful burial spots purchased back home. A family plot that was in the family for generations. The Quincy family funeral home would have handled all the arrangements. After her death though, the family discovered a few weeks before her passing, she put in her will that she now wished to be cremated. This caused quite a stir in the family, and Grandpa George was blamed. Grandma Ann wasn't in her right mind at the time. The chemo was doing a number on her, and at the end she barely remembered her name. The real kicker was when George didn't show up to the memorial service with the ashes. That was when the family decided they had enough. If he wanted to be alone, then his wish would be granted. That was around the last time that Brian seen his grandpa. Yeah, buddy. Your mom's pretty broken up about it. We're going to head over to the hospital and go to the house in the morning. Apparently his mail lady found him or something. Or she left a note with one of the neighbors to check on him since his mailbox was overflowing. The neighbors said that he would do this from time to time, but eventually he would make his way down and empty the box. But not this time. The police did a wellness check tonight and they found him in the kitchen. They're saying it was a massive heart attack. Oh, wow. Brian said, not exactly sure how he should feel. Yeah, I, I have nothing going on tomorrow. I can meet you guys there in the morning. What time were you thinking? Brian hung up the phone, not really feeling much of anything. Time is the great healer. When he was younger, he couldn't understand why his grandfather would abandon him like that. But as he got older, he sort of understood. He thought about up and vanishing all the time. He also developed a very useful coping mechanism. He doesn't think about it at all. Not healthy, but definitely useful. Walking into his grandfather's home the next morning was weird. He hadn't been there for almost six years. Once through the door, Brian and his parents noticed something that immediately jumped out at them. George was packing. There were things down at the bottom of the stairs and boxes. 
The walls were void of photos, and boxes were full of picture books and all the mementos that filled their lives with memories. Was Grandpa moving? Brian asked his dad, and his father only shrugged. His mom was having a really hard time with this. She was silently crying, walking around her father's house. Upstairs, the extra bedrooms were empty. The master bedroom was being packed up as well. Suitcases were full of his and his late wife's clothing. Brian was looking through drawers while his parents went over George's filing cabinet when he heard chirping coming from overhead. He followed the noise up into the attic. The attic was empty. No birds at all. Except for a box full of notebooks, an old ladder, and some scrap wood planks. The covers of the books had dates written on them, dating back to right before his grandparents moved here up until a few days ago. Brian plucked one out with the earliest date and started to flip through it. It started with George writing about a Little League game of Brian's back when he was nine. He remembered that game like it was yesterday. His team made it to the championship game and he lost by an error that he made. The book was full of glowing admiration for his grandson, about how he stayed poised under pressure, and even in defeat he handled it like a person well above his age. He showed amazing sportsmanship and humility. These were his grandfather's journals. Brian made his way down from the attic with the box to show his parents, but when he got to the top of the steps, he heard raised voices coming from the downstairs office and decided this might not be the time to introduce these books into play. He left the box in one of the empty bedrooms and joined his parents downstairs. They were going through a folder. When he walked into the room, they said to him, Grandpa wants to be cremated. Do you believe this? He changed his will around also. Brian's mother was becoming increasingly upset at this. She said, I don't care what he wants. I'm burying him with mom's ashes in the plot that they have back home. This is just words on paper. She was kind of right. He hadn't gotten this filed with his lawyer yet. The date on it was only a few weeks ago, and it had no notary stamp on it. In the coming days, they would find out that this was true. Their grandfather never did get the updated will filed. Six days later, they were back home and burying Grandpa George. The odd thing was, in those six days, they were never able to find Anne's ashes. They weren't in the house, no mention of them in any of his paperwork, nothing in his safety deposit box he had back at the bank, and his lawyer had no information about the location of them either. This broke Brian's mother's heart. After the funeral, Brian took some time off work to help his folks get his grandparents' house ready to be sold. He took this time to go through some of the journals. He was mad that he didn't think of it earlier, but maybe he wrote down in one of them where the ashes were. One night, after they were finishing up cleaning, he took the box and stashed it in his car, without his parents noticing. Hey folks, sorry I'm interrupting right in the middle here, but I didn't do it in the beginning, so I figured I had to throw it in there somewhere. This obviously isn't a folklore tale, this is one of the stories that I had just bouncing around in my head that, you know, I thought you guys would enjoy. But I also wanted to take this time to say thank you to everybody for the emails and the reviews. And a special thank you to the people who uh, are over at my Patreon. Alyssa, Brian, Nick, and Jen. They're the newest members of the Patreon, and I just want to say thank you. I'm also taking this time to use this as an ad buffer. This is uh, pretty much like a thank you, and now for these messages sort of a thing going on. All my episodes are ad-free at my Patreon, and uh, we have some pretty cool things going on over there. Obviously, ad-free episodes, um, shout-outs. This week, I'm going to start reading H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds, one of my favorite books. I know a lot of people say, oh, I like the way you narrate, so I'm going to start narrating that. 
I'm going to upload uh, chapter one this week and week to week or every two weeks. We'll see. Or in between episodes, probably in between episodes. Yeah. It's nice that I work things out here and I don't come prepared, but that's the way I operate. So, yeah. So chapters in between episodes is going to be chapter one, two. Obviously, that's progression. That's how people count. Chris, they know that. Why are you still talking? And other little like bonus things that are going to go on there. Bonus episodes, little short stories that may not be long enough to release as in the podcast episode I'll throw up there. And an entirely new podcast that's going to be introduced on the Patreon. Coming soon. So, see you there. Thank you. Now a word from our sponsors. Hey folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history. Unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Sitting at home, flipping through his grandfather's journals, he started to get an idea of what was going on in his life during those years he wasn't around. It was apparent that he knew of his wife's illness for much longer than he let on. They had kept it from the family, and he was desperate to find a way to comfort his wife. The journals, which dated from when they moved into their new house, started out the same manner as the other journals left off, writing about his life with Anne and him struggling with the idea of losing his wife. It was when he first mentioned the birds in the attic that things began to take a different tone. These were the writings of an obsessed man. He couldn't think of much else. The birds kept him up most nights. He couldn't figure out where they were coming from. He said in the journal that he thought that he was losing his mind, and he would have believed it if Anne hadn't heard them also. Brian boxed up the journals and decided to head to his grandparents' house and see for himself. He sat in their empty bedroom reading the journals and listening, and wouldn't you know it, he heard them. He left the attic door open and climbed up to see if he could see where they were coming from, but he had no luck. As soon as he got up there, the trips would stop. Then he came up with a plan. He would go get some bird feed, spread it around, and just sit up there and wait for the birds to show up. And he did just that. He carried up a folding chair and the box of journals, and settled in for a long night of waiting around and reading. The journal's coherence began to take a turn. The further the entries got from Grandma's death, the less sense they started to make. He started to refer to the birds as visiting friends, who he was afraid to leave with when they returned home. 
They read like the ramblings of a man struggling to hold on to his last bit of sanity. It broke Brian's heart. From the pages of Grandpa George's journal, November 11th, 2021. Four months before his death, and almost six years after Anne's death. It's our wedding anniversary. It would have been 57 years. Not a minute goes by that I don't think about my sweet Anne. I just want to hear her voice one more time. I've let too much time go by. I'd truly be alone now if it wasn't for the birds. I'm going to follow them tomorrow. I've built up the guts. I've watched for long enough, and what else do I have to lose? I spent the time obsessing over these things. If my family only saw what I saw, they would understand. But I can't risk showing anyone. Not yet. Not before I understand it. I just wish I had more time. She would have understood. Happy anniversary, my love. I'll see you again someday. Journal entry for November 19th, 2021. My hand disappeared. That's the best way I can describe it. I reached into where the birds came from and my hand disappeared. My hand felt like pins and needles in it for a few hours after, but I can't explain what happened. I have to check further. Yep. The old man completely cracked up. Brian felt sympathy for the old guy. He really did. From what he could make of these writings, his grandfather was just an old, lonely man trying to cope with the eventual and then loss of his wife. It was sweet and kind of tragic. Most love stories end that way. Journal entry for December 1st, 2021. I won't dare take more than a few steps in. It's tough getting up there at this age, but I find if I use the ladder and angle the planks on the roof support beam, I can crawl in. The pins and needle feeling goes away once you're fully inside. The real trip was the time. I was in there looking around the field outside the cave for at least 30 minutes, but the alarm clock in the bedroom said I was only 5 minutes past when I went up into the attic, and I'm sure 4 of those minutes were spent climbing up and down. I've got an old journal, but in there I felt young. I'm going to check again tomorrow. I thought I saw smoke on the horizon. Journal entry for December 2nd. 2021. I did see smoke, but it wasn't from a chimney. I walked for what felt like miles, but I didn't get tired. I haven't walked like that in years. These old bones felt like they were full of life. The land out there looked charred. I didn't get too close. Those warbling bells and the smell of sulfur was too much to handle. It gave me the heebie-jeebies. I'll head the other way in a few days. I wish Anne could have seen this. Wish she could have felt this. Maybe we could have lived here and she wouldn't have been sick. I'm going to pack a bag and see what I can see tomorrow. I'll check back in when I get back. Journal entry for December 19th, 2021. People! I've met actual people. I couldn't believe it. I was hiking and camping for days. It's some of the most beautiful landscapes I've ever seen. I came upon a small village and the people there were so welcoming. They knew I wasn't from this place. They explained everything to me. I won't write it here. I can't have this proof just lying around. I won't risk my new friends. I won't risk the wrong people reading this after I'm gone. I'm an old man, anything can happen before I transition here full time, but the restoration is how they put it. It's why I feel so amazing. Now I gotta bring Anne here. They said she can come back. I knew there was a reason we changed the will. It was selfish at the time, I know that. 
I just couldn't be without her. Even if it was just an urn, I still needed to talk to her every morning over coffee. I needed to wish her good morning and good night. Sorry for the damp pages, journal, but my face is leaking like a spricket. I'm going to see my wife again. Journal entry for February 20th, 2021. This past Valentine's Day has been the best I could remember. We danced all night. We made love like newlyweds. I've only been there a few weeks, but it felt like months. We picked a spot and we're going to build a cottage. Close to the cave so we can come back. Well, so I can come back. I feel extra tired tonight, run down. They warned me that the time changes would catch up. I just want to grab a few things. I gotta start packing soon. Once we're settled in, I'll call the kids. They're not gonna believe this. Brian was completely dumbfounded with what he was reading. His grandfather was really losing it at the end. Going through the last pages of the journals, he heard the chirping overhead. Looking up, he saw them. Two brightly colored birds, no bigger than a parakeet, hopping up and down on the support beam above him. And as just as fast as they appeared, they vanished. They about-faced, hopped a few more times, and gone. Brian stood up and grabbed the ladder that was leaning against the back wall. He climbed up under the beam and reached his arm into the shadowed area under the roof peak and... It disappeared. He yanked it back suddenly and he had that prickly feeling a limb gets when you sleep on it for too long. Well, that settles that. He waited for some feeling to return and he climbed up a little higher, threw his leg over the beam and scooted himself along it. At the point where he imagined that his head would hit the roof, he just kept moving, into darkness, further and further along. His entire body was now tingling and then, just like that, it wasn't and he saw light. His body dropped down a bit, and he fell hard onto earth. He stood up and looked back the way he came, and he could vaguely see the attic roof of his grandfather's house. The other way was daylight, the sound of wind, and chirping birds. Journal entry for March 19th, 2021, the day before his body was found. It's moving day. I know I can't break everything, journal, but I'm going to pack up all the meaningful stuff. Most of the photos are boxed. I brought some over already. Anne asked me for some recent ones so she could see what she has missed, but and I was so ashamed to tell her I didn't have any. I told her I would get them on the next trip. It's okay. I'm going to call the kids in the morning and have them meet me here. I hope they come. They have to, right? I'm going to make sure the journal box gets loaded up and brought over tonight. I want Anne to read them. Most of our clothes is packed. Now it's just a matter of getting it over there. I can make trips. I'm so excited. I can't wait for our family to be together again. I don't think I can wait until morning. You know what? I'm going to go down now and call. My phone is in the kitchen. Bye for now, journal. Brian exits the cave and steps into a bright field. These plains stretch out for miles in all directions. Up ahead, there's a small cottage on the bank of a large river that runs back in the direction of the cave and up the mountain it's attached to. It stretches on out of sight past the little house. There's an old-fashioned watermill next to the house in the river. A small stream of smoke is rising from the chimney. Brian makes his way toward the house. The land around it is breathtaking. The temperature is absolutely perfect, and there isn't a cloud in the sky. He gets to the cottage and reaches for the door when he hears a noise behind the house near the river. He peeks and sees a woman kneeling next to the big basin. A small suitcase is open next to her. 
scrubbing clothes and sully water on a washboard. His voice catches at his throat. Grandma? The woman turns in his direction, and he is met with a brilliant smile. A smile he hasn't seen in years. Brian! You made it! She looks around, confused. Where's Grandpa? I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. Music by Kevin McLeod. Again, thank you to all my Patreon members, Jen, Nick, Brian, Alyssa, RNG Games, rnggames.com, games with a Z, for all your Pokemon trading card needs. Jody Jumpsuit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Later, folks.